0: The Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right, Last Stand Podcast. I am Brian Custer, and listen, we bring you the biggest names in sports and entertainment, and you can watch every episode. All you've got to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, Last Stand Podcast, on YouTube. Make sure you download us on all of the platform streaming podcasts. In fact, you want one of these Ice Cube shirts? Listen to our podcast when we had Ice Cube on. Go to it and you can find out how you can get one of these shirts and be helping a really, really good cause. When we talk about some of the biggest names in sports, our guest on this podcast is one of the biggest and best fighters in the world. He's a three-division world champion, uh, the former undisputed light welterweight champion of the world. He is now the WBO welterweight champion of the world. He is Terrence Bud Crawford here on The Last Stand Podcast. Bud, welcome to the the episode and the podcast. How
1: are you? am doing great, man. I'm just out here chilling, relaxing until it's time to go to the gym. Let me tell you something. I have been thoroughly looking
0: forward to talking to you because I've been such a big fan uh, of your talent. And frankly, I don't know too many brothers from Omaha, Nebraska. So that's why I really wanted to talk to you.
1: Oh yeah, man. It's a lot of it's a lot of brothers out here, man. <laughs> a lot of people always say that, you know. You, you come from Omaha, Oklahoma. I said. Yeah. I said it's a lot of great, great talent that came from Omaha. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now listen, I trust that you, especially your children, uh, that you guys have been healthy.
1: Your wife, uh, especially during this pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Like everybody in my family's healthy. Uh, nobody's uh, close to home got sick or anything, so everyone's great. You know, as a fighter, how difficult is it when you got to stay in
0: shape? You got to stay ready, especially when this the coronavirus was at its height. And then your job is the spar. You got to sweat on guys. Uh, you got to get wrapped so you 're up close you 're sweating on guys, and you certainly don't want to bring anything
1: home to the your family, especially with the quarantine how was how difficult was that well my my coach he had well me and my coach we had decided to close our gym down only to select few people, so you know uh it's a chance that you take it you know even with your coaches and you know the the, the team that you have um it's just all chances. You know, we take chances every day. We take chances in the ring each and every time. So, you know, as you can see, I'm a risk taker at at, at heart, even, you know, in life. So, you know, it's just a risk that we take.
0: Yeah, and and that's a really good point because as as more professional leagues uh, come back, there was always that fear. You hear it from athletes saying, hey, look, man, I got kids. I, I don't know if I want to come back and risk bringing something to – to my family, it seems as if you're more so on that. Hey, I take a risk every time I get in the ring that uh, you're willing to go back and fight despite the, the coronavirus.
1: For sure, for sure. You know, um, when you look when you look at the virus and you look at the the people that had it, that's healthy. Nothing really happened to them. You know, it only affects the elderly and the people that have like asthma. Uh, hard breathing, um, people that smoke, it it bothers them. But if you're healthy, you know, it really doesn't really do too much much to you, it look like. Mm. In
0: 2014, uh, you opened the B&B Sports Academy there in Omaha. It's where you train. It's private, as you talked about. But I love that one thing that you did was you also opened it up to children and didn't charge them and allow them to come train there. Uh, you you held amateur uh, tournaments. There. T- tell me why you took that step where you're world champion and generally guys want to train in a private gym, but you opened it up to kids and didn't charge a dime.
1: Well, coming from where I come from, you know, we always had to go downtown, um, South Omaha, or real north to get to a boxing gym you know so you had to take the bus or ride your bike or catch a ride you know I me and my coach we from the inner city of north omaha that's where you know m- most of the the black people was at and you, you know uh struggling families they really can't get to those those places to work out and stuff so we just decided to look for a building in the inner city and uh, get ourselves a gym. So once we got it in 2011, we just we really just was paying rent on the building, you know, so we can secure it. And once, you know, I, my fights start picking up, we start putting little things in it bit by bit. And oh, once, once we got enough money to really get all the rings and get everything that we need inside the the gym we started working out in it and people just wanted to come. And I was like, let's just open it up to the community, to all the kids that really can't afford to, you know, pay a membership or pay to, you know, get hand wraps and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a good idea. And me and Bo decided to make it a nonprofit organization. And uh, Yeah. So here we
0: is. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, And then you took another step because just last December you opened your own retail store, uh, the TBC shop uh, right there in your childhood neighborhood. Tell me why you felt the need to open up a store right there in
1: your childhood neighborhood. Because, um, well, it's not in my childhood neighborhood. It's a place that I grew up, you know, and playing basketball around the corner and, playing basketball across the street at the Salvation Army. So every time I would come across somebody, you know, mainly elderly, you know, um, they would always ask me, when can I get some of your T-shirts? When can I get this? When can I get that? And I'd be like, you got to get online, you know, get online. They'd be like, you know, I don't do that internet stuff. You know, I don't know how to do this. I'm old. I'm old school. So I, I would always come across a lot of those people. And then it just struck my mind, you know, my girl, she, she's seen a building for sale that we used to always go buy candy and stuff. It's one of my friends owned the building and stuff. So I seen it on sale and I, I called him up. I was like, I know who building this is my, my homie dad. So I called him up. He was like, yeah, he's selling it. He tired of it. He want to uh, move on to a new adventure. I was like, I want to buy it. He was like, man, we'd love to have you buy it. You know, uh, keep it in the family. So that's how I got the privilege and honored to buy that building on the corner.
0: Oh, that's that's great, man. Giving back to the community. uh, That's fantastic. Um, So let's talk a little bit about you because you have five kids. And my understanding, you've got two sons, um, Terrence Jr. and Tyrese, who are wrestling studs and nationally ranked. And and so my, my question is,
1: By wrestling and not boxing? Well, all three of my... uh, A lot of, say, my younger, my baby son is going to be better than everybody because he's just so talented and, like, fearless. But my dad boxed... I mean, wrestled and boxed, but he was more of a wrestler. He was in state championships and all that stuff. Uh, My grandpa... He was a wrestler and a boxer. And my uncle, he was more of a wrestler than boxing. He's the one that taught my dad wrestling. So on my mom's side, her brother was a boxer. So I got boxing and wrestling on both sides. So coming up, I started boxing at the age of seven. But when I got kicked out the gym, you know, for being a little hardhead, a little boy not listening, I went to wrestling because my dad and my mom always wanted me to wrestle because my dad was more of a wrestler than boxing. So I I used to never really want to wrestle because I used to always get mad and I always wanted to fight. So I started wrestling a little bit and then I went to to football and basketball and then I came boxing in 2002. So up seeing how hard it was once you get like really, into the sport and everything that you have to go to to get to the top, I really never wanted my kids to suffer that pain that I couldn't protect them with you know so getting getting in on the football field, I always tell people, I felt like football was more dangerous than boxing, so those two sports I vowed to not let my kids do unless they had the the time of really wanting to do it on their own, and I had to support them. So boxing, I really never really introduced my kids to boxing. They just picked up on everything, you know. So I always put them in wrestling, so that gives them a great foundation and a defense tactic to where they can defend themselves at the same time, you know. So that's how they really got in wrestling, and they loved it. They loved it, they they gravitated to it so quick. My son was a uh, runner up in his second year, you know, so uh, his third year, he won every every tournament. So I was just like, man, that that was crazy. It was just a blessing that he just, you know, he's just a stud, he's just natural with it. And
0: and, and I think you're, you're being a, a little bit humble because from my understanding, even yourself, you were a really good wrestler yourself. Um, how old were you when you realized, though, that boxing was your gift,
1: and you were destined
0: uh, for big things as a boxer?
1: Well, well, like I said, when I came back to the gym in 2002, you know, that's when I realized that uh, I was—I won my first national tournament coming right back off of uh, what five-year layoff. You know, I won the national ringside tournament. And at the time, I felt like that was one of the hardest tournaments out there because you had every everybody from, from Canada to Mexico to New Jersey and California, all the number ones went to that tournament. So, you know, I believe that was the second year of the ringside and it was an invitational tournament. So you know how you go to a national tournament and you got all the number ones out there out of every state. So you never see the guys that they beat, you know? So that what makes it harder because people that you don't even know, that's crazy good, you know, from Canada, from, you know, uh, Hawaii, they was all coming from uh, Puerto Rico. It was a world tournament. So the people that say say I'm out of Nebraska and I keep fighting this kid in a in the regionals, but he's crazy good, but he just can't beat me. Them guys that you see in the tournament, you know, and it's like, dang, man, where this dude come from? And they like, man, he just can't beat that that guy. He just can't be such and such, you know? Yeah. Or they robbed him, so I felt like that was one of the hardest tournaments coming up, and I won that tournament. And once I won it, it was just like, man, I got to be serious. Like, yeah. I got to I can take this to the next level. And everybody was pushing me to, you know, be great.
0: And the rest, they say, is history. So you, you grow up, you have Brian McIntyre, uh, BOMAC, as he's called as your trainer, uh, Red Spikes. Yeah. Uh, you have him, and then uh, another is it Esau? If I'm not yeah, yeah Esau with you, and, and you've always maintained, even though those guys from a national standpoint may not be as well known as the Freddie Roaches and and people like that, or Ronnie Stokes, you know those kind those type Ronnie Shields, I should say, those type of guys. You said you will not change your team at all. Tell
1: me why. Well, you know, I always look at coaches, right? When you look at a coach and you see how he got to where he, he, he is or how he gets to the level that he's at, you always look at who he's training, right, you know, and who got him there. Mm-hmm. There had to be somebody that believed in him from the jump for him to even get to that point. So how can my coaches get there if I didn't believe in them and they didn't believe in me? See, you got a lot of, you got a lot of fighters. That's great. That could be great, but the people that got them to where they at, they, they leave them because of the people that's in their ear. Oh, go with this coach because he's already solidified. He already, he's already there. He's already accomplished, but how can your coach get all the accomplishments and, get all the accolades if you just run out and leave them for somebody else. So, you know, I believed in my coaches just as well as they believed in me. And we here.
0: Would you ever consider, uh, as opposed to changing, would you ever consider adding somebody to your team the higher and the bigger the fights are? Let's say Tyson Fury, who... Uh, added Sugar Hill to his team because in the rematch with Wilder, he wanted that next step. Would you consider adding a big name trainer or somebody to your team if you had a mega fight, so to speak?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't believe so. I believe, I believe everything that that I need is right here. You know, I got three uh, great coaches, you know, I got a good strength Great, great strength conditioning coach. I got a great nutritionist. You know, I just got a full, solid team. You know, when you're inside and out. You know, uh, when you look at when you look at my team, like they know me in and out. You know, they know when I'm having a good day, a bad day, a mediocre day. Mediocre. Is it? Is just something about a team that's like family to you? You know, where They can just look at you and say, all right, you know, something's going on with them, you know, and they grab you and, you know, take your mind off of it and make you push even harder than you really was going to push that day, you know, or say some things to you that that boost your energy and and just make you do things that you would have never thought you would be able to do, you know. So uh, it's hard to have that type of chemistry with somebody else that you really don't know, like, that. because I'm the type of person that I really don't like to let people inside, you know, know everything about me.
0: Um, now that sports is has, has slowly made its way back, you know, boxing, especially uh, overseas, had already started some fights, no fans, things of that nature, and now here, the plan is to do the same. Can Bud Crawford fight in venues and fight going forward without fans?
1: It depends. Like I I already said, I've been there before. You know, I didn't come out the Olympic trials and get this big signing bonus and uh, be on TV like all my fellow, you know, uh, 2008 uh, alumni, you know, I should call them. You know, I was the one that had to work from scratch to get to where I'm at. You know, I was the one that was fighting in barns with cow shit smelling all through the fucking arena, fighting in little bars in Iowa City, Iowa, uh, with, with 50 people in it. You know, I was doing that. You know, so that's not nothing that I haven't experienced before or nothing that I haven't done before. It's just the point For now. Where I am now, yeah, you you pay me. We gonna, we got to fight, you know. Just don't try to tell me that I have to take a pay cut because of a pandemic. Like, I don't feel that's right, you know. When I already went through what I had to went through, what I had to go through coming up. Now you are telling me go back to to ground one and take a pay cut? I just don't feel like I can do that.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because it seems like from a financial standpoint, that is the way it's going that, Hey, look, we want our big time fighters to fight. Uh, They're going to have to fight without fans, but they're not going to get the kind of money that they've, they've gotten in the past. And if that's the case, is it conceivable then that Bud Crawford will probably not fight this year would have to wait until, next year when we possibly have a vaccine and that we can have crowds back in the arena?
1: Yeah, maybe. Like I said, maybe. If that's the price that we got to take, then so be it.
0: Are you at, are you at the, the point now where, you know, you, you've done a great job for that area in Omaha, fighting there in that arena and bringing people there, but you've gotten so big,
1: can you even fight? In your
0: hometown anymore?
1: Uh, of course, I feel like I can fight in my hometown. You know, uh, I ever can fight in Lincoln. You know, we can. They always ask me when I'm gonna have a a fight in Memorial Memorial Stadium, and I always tell them like, give me like the Pacquiao or <laughs> the Aero Spitz or somebody like that. You know, and we we'll, we we'll do it. You know, uh, so it's it's very you know, reachable. Just gotta have a right opponent.
0: I'm 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 curious and, and and uh I've had Errol Spence on and I'll ask you kind of the same questions. How many more fights do you see yourself at one forty seven?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I really can't say, you know, because I was willing to go up and challenge the W O WBO one fifty four title title. Champion, champion. So, um, you know, we'll see. Like I said, yeah, sky's the limit for me right now. Like I'm looking for all the big opportunities and all the champions. Um, yeah, so I'm gunning for all for all of them. Have you even thought about
0: uh, because you've you've already laid out some things outside the ring? Have you thought about how many more years you want to fight?
1: Uh, not too many more years. You know, I feel like uh, I'm accomplished and I've accomplished every, even, I over, I'm an overachiever, you know, when I, when I looked at it, my goal set since I was a kid was to become a world champion. When I came out the Olympic trials, that's all I wanted to become was a world champion. And I... Did that times five, six? Seven. You know what I mean? Like to become undisputed, to become unified uh, lightweight champion, unified undisputed junior welterweight champion, then uh champion in in welterweight division, uh three weight championships. You know, uh, SB award winner, boxer of the year. A fighter of the year like i got so many awards and you know just to look on my wall and just to see all them accomplishments and just be like man wow like you you really did a number on on just becoming a world champion you know like everybody always asks me what is your biggest achievement in boxing i always say becoming a world champion that night in scotland you know because all my dreams came true like it was like I could take a fresh breath of air. and was just like, man, I accomplished something that I always told all my teachers. I told all my friends, everybody that ever could have known who Terrence Crawford was coming up. I always said I was going to become a world champion. And I did that. And I did what I said I was going to do.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, talking with Terrence Crawford here. Um, here on the Last Stand podcast. We're going to get into who he wants to fight next uh, and his specific thoughts on the mega fight, the fight that everyone wants to see him in, and that's against Errol Spence Jr. But first, let me tell you about one of our podcast partners. It's the All Natural B1 Patches from USA Natural Patches. And folks, I'm going to tell you, it works. The patch is filled with thiamine to help boost your immune system, especially in light of the corona. A virus. A lot of people trying to boost their immune system. It gives you energy. It gives you stamina, allows you uh, focus to help you work out. Uh, for me, I use it when I'm working out, when I box, when I'm taking martial arts. It helps me recover, and it's simple. All you got to do is peel it on, stick it on the dry area of your body. 30 minutes later, you feel the effects of the B1 patch, and it lasts for eight hours. Professional athletes use it, uh, I use it when I'm working out. And all you've got to do, folks, is go to buyb1.com to purchase yours and use the promo code BC3, and you get a discount. It's 100% natural. Wear what the pros wear. It's buy B1 patch. Don't compete without it. Talking with Terrence Crawford here on the Last Stand Podcast. And you know Terrence. Everyone in the world wants to see you and Errol Spence Jr. fight. First of all, what do you think of Errol Spence Jr. as a fighter?
1: Uh, he's a great fighter. You know, like I tell everybody, I'm a fan. I've been a fan since he was in the in amateurs, uh, fighting on the USA team and uh, fighting in the Olympics. Like, we've been watching Errol since he was a kid, you know. Uh, there's nothing really bad I can say about his talent or, or his skills that, you know, um, is this business when, it's, when it comes between me and him. He uh, want be to yeah, be the best. He want to be the best. He want to be the best in the division, and he feels he's the best in the division, and I feel like I'm the by far the best in the division, you know, so that's when you got two alpha males bumping heads and you got to see who's number one.
0: I'm sure in your in your quiet time you've played out the fight in your mind. Um, if this fight comes to fruition, how do you see it playing out?
1: Me winning. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's I don't I don't see nothing else like me winning. That's that's it. That's all. Like when I when I play fights out in my head, I never play a fight out that that I'm losing you know uh me at the best of my 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 abilities i don't feel nobody can beat me Mm. you know if i if i train to the to the to the core i'm in tremendous shape i don't believe nobody can beat me that's just me being honest yeah uh you
0: too Two great body punchers. Do you see this more as a strategic fight? Do you see it as, you know, just two guys going forward? I guess from a strategy standpoint, how do you see that fight?
1: Well, honestly, I don't think he'll fight me like just trying to come straight to me. I don't think. I think that will be a bad decision for him. Now, he may... You know, but I don't think I don't think he'll fight me like that. I think he'll try to use his jab and oppose his will on me or however come in. But I think it'll be more of a, a chess match than anything because I feel like I'm always changing things up. And if he can't keep up with with me changing changing up the style and changing up the pace and changing up the fight style, then he's gonna fall behind. So yeah. That's how I look at it. Do you, when
0: he had that accident, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, man, I know that if uh, these two fight uh, and Terrence Crawford beats him, everyone's going to say, oh, it's because Errol had the accident. He's not the same fighter that he was. Did that any of that come into your mind at all when, you, when he for had sure. that accident?
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. You know, when I look at, when, when Pacquiao was was signed with top rank, I've been chasing Pacquiao since 2015, trying to get that fight. You know, uh, they, they've been, you know, picking other fighters over me instead of fighting me, like Brandon Rios, Jesse uh, Vargas, all those type of fighters, instead of fighting me when I was there to fight. Everybody... In the in the media, everybody and their mama. Oh, he's chasing this old fighter. Why don't he fight somebody young? Pacquiao washed up. Pacquiao this. Pacquiao that. Pacquiao ain't no good fighter no more. He need to retire and this and that and this. Okay, I get it. I still want to fight. Once Pacquiao leave and go to PBC. Everybody want to fight Pacquiao, <laughs> what, and all the and all the writers saying Pacquiao still got a lot left. Pacquiao looking young. Pac, we seeing the old Pacquiao. Oh, he just beat Broner. Oh, Pacquiao's back. Oh, he just beat Keith Thurman. Now Pacquiao is looking ten years younger. I'm like, wow. Like, where was all this energy when I was trying to fight Pacquiao? Like. It's just crazy to me. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, when we had Errol on the podcast, he said that you two talked on the phone and talked about uh, fighting each other. Can you give us some insight? I mean, who called whom and what specifically did you say to
1: him? Well, I called him because we was, on, we was going back and forth on Twitter, you know, and I was just like, you know what, I'm about to call you. You know I mean? I got your number. I'm not about to do all this. I'm going direct because I want you to know that I'm for real about what I'm talking about and what I'm saying. I'm throwing words out on Twitter just to get likes and retweets. So I called him up, you know, and he was like, what you want? I like, you know what I want, you know? So we had a brief conversation about us two fighting, you know, and he told me what was his plans and I just told him like, Well, (laughs) these is my plans, and them is your plans. So if your plans is that, then we're not gonna fight. But if we can come to agreement on this, then we gotta fight, you know. And we just talked about the business side of boxing, you know, like it's a business at the end of the day, and we both agreed on that. And you know, he's a cool dude, like I said. Like I don't have problems with him. You know, I sent him a text message after the wreck, you know, telling him you know, great health and hope that he's okay to come back to the sport of boxing. But yeah, like we both agreed that we both want to fight and, you know, if business uh, come to fruition and everything get handled the way it to get handled, then we got to got to fight. Hmm.
0: Um, well, let me ask you then the same question I asked him and he answered it truthfully. Uh, so I'll ask you the same thing. Realistically, realistically now, tell me Terrence Crawford's next three fights because Errol said, from a realistic standpoint, when I come back, no tune up, Danny Garcia, Manny Pacquiao, and then Terrence Crawford at the very end of 2021. So, realistically, what are Terrence Crawford's next three fights?
1: Well, I really can't say what Terrence Crawford's next three fights is, you know, because it's kind of hard to pull out names and it don't come to fruition. You know, my next fight uh, should be Pacquiao. You know, uh, we're in the talks with, with, with Team Pacquiao, and I've been hoping that that fight can get made. But anything after that, I really can't say because I'm only looking forward to the next fight. You know, so if we can get that fight secure and, you know, signed, then hopefully that can be my next fight.
0: Mm. Uh, let me throw a couple of names out who've, who've, who've come at you. Uh, Kel Brook.
1: Right. Well, Kel Brook being uh, coming out of the woodworks a little lately, you know, he he wants to fight. You know, that's a great fight as well, you know. But at the same time, uh. With this pandemic, I don't think that they letting people from overseas come over here or us go over there. I think that's why uh, Lomachenko is still stuck over there. Uh, I think it's a lot of fighters that can't come to the United States and fight because of that. You know, so that fight, I don't think could happen.
0: Uh, And would that be a fight at 154? Or would he? Because he, you know, he hasn't fought really at 147 in a long time. So would you have to come up to fight him?
1: No, I asked him. I said, "Can you make the weight?" You know what I mean? He said he can make the weight. He want to be a champion again, so he'll challenge me for my 147 uh, title. Okay. And right now, you know, like like I said, like if if you're challenging me, then you come into my way. Like if I challenge you, and then yeah, I come to. Uh, 154, if I challenge a 154 uh, pound you know, title list or champion, then you know I'm coming to you you're not coming to me now if you ch- come to me and you're sending shots to me, don't send shots. Talk about you want to fight me, but I got to come up to this weight. I'm champion at 147. Why would I come up to your weight if you challenge me?
0: <laughs> um, your dentist Ugas. Uh, is the latest person who's, who's come out and called you out. So has Sean Porter. Uh, they've talked about wanting to fight you. Keith Thurman uh, came out and said he wanted to fight you. Out of those three guys, in your opinion, which one is a more makeable fight?
1: All of them. Every last <laughs> one of them is a makeable fight. I don't see what was standing away on any three fighters that just called me out. Yeah, I feel like Keith Thurman would be the biggest fight, you know, and then Sean Porter, and then Ugas. But all three of them is is great fighters. You know, I I can't look over and near one of them, you know, so all three of them is good fights to be made. Yeah. All four. All four if I put uh Kell Brook in it. You,
0: you talked about how uh, your critics have have talked about you, and you know they always they always want to question a fighter's resume. I'm just for out of curiosity's sake. Um, it seems as if the PBC has the big name welterweights on on their side. So why did you why did you choose Bob Aram in Top Rank as opposed to it seems like all the big welterweights ends up signing with the PBC and Al Heyman?
1: Because uh... I still wanted that Pacquiao that fight, and I felt like, you know, the Pacquiao fight and then all the other names uh, come looking for me. At the same time, I don't feel like being from PBC or being from top rank should have interfered with, with any fights getting made on a strength that I already fought PBC fighters before. You know, when I fought uh, Felix Diaz and John Molina, they they was assigned with PBC and Al you know, and nothing really never stood in a way. I just felt like once it came to a point where it was some of the big fighters, they didn't want to put them in the ring with me because they didn't want to have that 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 top rank have the edge over over their head where one of their fighters took out one of their, their top weatherweight fighters. So, in a sense, they just fight each other. Let's just take each other out and see what he do in the meantime and we'll go from there but in my in my own defense i would say me machine jeff horn and benavidez they wasn't no uh b-level fighters in my eyes you know i feel like you could put those fighters up against any one of those uh, top PBC fighters, and they'll give him hell, you know, and especially Benavidez. When you look at Benavidez, what he's been doing since he was a kid, yeah, he got shot in the leg, and everybody wanted to use that as an excuse at the end, but before the fight, he clearly said, my, my leg is is good. I'm not going to use this as an excuse. I've been doing everything going it, And he just came off two stoppage wins. Nobody not one time said anything about his leg in, in those two fights. Leading up to the fight, they just said he got shot in the leg. They never said, oh, well, let's see how his leg hold up and this not walking funny. He don't have no limp, no, none of that. So once I knock him out, then it, that's the big topic. Oh, he got one leg, all this and all that. All that. So that what really pissed me off. Hmm. The Jeff Horn. Jeff Horn, they say, all right, he got cheated by Pacquiao. When you watch that fight, Jeff Horn bullied Pacquiao. You know, even if he did, you know, some illegal tactics or he hit him with elbows or headbutt, or whatever the case may be, he did what he had to do to win the fight. You know, it's a fight at the end of the day. When you look at that fight, he took Pacquiao through hell, you know, pushed him around, uh, bullied him. He made it a, a a rough, rough fight for Pacquiao. And you can't say that fight wasn't close, you know, at the end of the day. And for me to go in there and stop that man, that Pacquiao couldn't stop and beat him every round, you don't give me no credit for that. So then when you look at, when you look at Cavaloskis, uh, you know, Undefeated fighter, a two-time Olympian, you know, never, never taste the ground, amateur or pro, you know, for me to go out there and stop him in the fashion that I did, you know, you don't want to give me no credit. You know, y'all want to say, oh, he was the bomb because of his fight with Ray Robinson. Well, Styles make fights, you know, everybody's not going to have A A-plus a+ night on fight night. Styles make fights, and I, I give him credit. He's a good fighter you know in the uh, uh and when you look at American nobody never outboxed American nobody when you see American lose you see him get knocked out you know I was outboxing him from round 1 to round 5 until he got stoppage you know so everybody said oh well American is done he's washed up he's this he's that he's that why you just can't say Terence Crawford is 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 at a uh, a great level where, you know, he makes these fighters look that way, you know, because when when you get in the ring with me or when somebody else get in the ring with me, they're going to say the same thing. They're going to say, oh, well, he's coming off a loss or he did this, he did that. And these guys, they're they not coming off of losses. The guys that I'm fighting is undefeated, probably one loss, you know. I think – uh. Uh, American was the only fighter that I fought in a welterweight division with a loss so far. Mm. Everybody else has been undefeated. Nobody else is doing stuff like that. They never, they not taking chances like that. I'm fighting my, my mandatories and nobody else is fighting their mandatories the way I'm fighting them. You know, when my mandatories come up, that's my next fight. I'm not saying, all right, well, I'm going to pay this guy step aside money or, I want to uh, fight this guy or that guy before I fight this guy and just push them off. You know, I'm fighting who, who, how they come. I'm not picking the fighters that I fight. Uh, is they tall? Is they short? Is they fast? Do they punch hard? Do they box well? Do they brawl well? I'm fighting all the styles. When you look at my career and you look at the type of people that I'm fighting, Southpaws, orthodox, speedy fighters, boxers, brawlers, uh, I didn't fought them all. Mm. So that's why I say, you know, they criticize me on on who I fight. But then when you look at the type of people that they fought, then you'll say, oh, well, this guy only fought this guy, and this guy beat this guy, and this guy lost to this guy. But who have they fought then? Mm. So you criticize you criticize me on who I fought. But then when you look at the type of people that other fighters fought, then how can you give them any credit?
0: And, and so you 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 believe though whether it's Ugas, whether it's Porter, or whether it's Thurman, that fight can be made.
1: All of them, all of them can be made. Like I've I been like I've been saying f- from day one, you know, Al Heyman, you know, he's doing tremendous, uh, great things with with the PBC and the PBC fighters and stuff like that. But he's not a promoter, so. By him not being a promoter and by those fighters not having a promotion contract with, with any promoter, they can fight on any platform that they would choose. al is just a advisor. So he can advise you, I advise you not to fight over there and just fight over here. That's it. They can go to him and say, listen, this is the fight I want. This is the fight I want to fight next. Make it happen. They can do that. The same way I went to Bob Aram, they can do the same thing with with Al Heyman. And he can advise them, no, I don't think we should take that right now. That wouldn't be the smartest decision. But at the end of the day, as them being the fighters, they can say, no, this is the fight that I want. Like, when you see it now, Sean Porter and them has, has said that they – willing to fight me right yep and they express that there will be nothing that that be, will interfere with us fighting right you're right Keith Thurman he just expressed that he will fight me right he did say they said send the contract there you have it uh who just expressed that he will fight me right so now it goes back to when I was calling all these fighters out they were saying he's on the wrong side of the street when I kept saying there's no side of the street. We all can fight. Sean Porter, he doesn't have a belt anymore. That's my, that's my homie. You know what I mean? That's a good friend of mine for a long time. He doesn't have a belt anymore, right? When I said I wanted all the champions, but Sean Porter, because we were his friends, he wasn't calling me out. He had a belt. They wasn't offering Sean Porter, putting Sean Porter on the table. They didn't say, let's make this a unification fight. So when Keith Thurman had a title, when I was like, I'll, I'll fight Keith Thurman, they wasn't saying, oh, let's, let's match Terrence Crawford up in a unification fight with Keith Thurman. They wasn't. You know what I mean? So all, all, this, all, all this, oh, I'll fight Terrence Crawford now and all this and all that. It just, it just shows, you know, what they've been doing all, all along. You know, they've been holding out, mm. you know, and it just it just is sad at the same time because now the fans, you know, they don't get to see the fights that they want. And now, you know, we we get to this point, and I'm still willing to fight each and every one of them just to prove a point. But at the same time, when that point get made, here go the excuses. Oh, this guy lost already, or this guy this, or this guy that, or, he wasn't in – his, his heart wasn't in boxing no more. He's ready to retire. Or, you know, you got all these – and I'm really ready for all that to come because I know it's going to come no matter what.
0: Uh, in your opinion, Terrence, who is the most exciting fighter in boxing right now? And I'm talking about a guy that even Bud Crawford says, man, when this guy steps in the ring, even I got to turn on the TV and watch him fight.
1: I have to say Tyson Fury. Hmm. I have to that, say Tyson Fury. You like the Gypsy guy, King? He, yeah, yeah, man. Like every time, every time I go to his fights, and every time, from from the walkout to everything, I just say, man, this dude is an entertainer. Like he he makes me laugh, but at the same time, he's an entertainer. You know, on in on and off the. In the ring and out the out the ring It's just, you know, by me going in this room, his last fight, and saying what's up to him, how relaxed he was, how calm he was. It's just like, man, dude, this dude, like he don't have a care. Mm. You know, he really don't.
0: And you don't so, see you don't you know, see the third say, fight going any differently.
1: Uh, nah, man, I do, I do. I told everybody when they asked me, who do I think? Got the edge in in the second fight, and I said Tyson Fury hands down. You know Deontay Wilder, he's a he's a cool dude. He's cool. Uh, one of my one of my good friends. Well, I wouldn't say good friends, but he's one of my friends that I've been knowing for a long time. Uh, when I see him, it's all love. But Tyson Fury took his punch, and once he did that and got up, and really run around that he got knocked down in. I said that was the worst thing that could have ever happened in that fight because now in his mind, he like, I took his best shot and I got up and I finished the fight stronger than before I got knocked down. So now going into the second fight, he's not scared Mm -hmm. no more. He's not afraid. He's not nervous. He like, I can take his shot. So, when you seen the second fight, he went straight to him. He went straight to him because in his mind, I already knew. And I said that before the fight even happened. I said he already took a shot, so he just gonna come straight for him. Wow. He knows he can outbox him, but by him telling everybody, nobody's expecting me to knock out Deontay Wilder or Deontay Wilder beating me, a decision, or outboxing me. He said, I'm going to knock him out. And when, when he said that, you could tell that he was, he was for real about what he was saying because he put on that weight. He was doing a lot of strength work. You know, he, he, he looked bigger. He was bigger. And he was uh, preparing his body to go to war. Yeah. So I just was just like, man.
0: Uh, um, since we're talking heavyweights, do you want to see Mike Tyson in an exhibition fight?
1: Of course, who wouldn't? You know, I think that'd be exciting just to see these two old dudes slugging it out again. Just Tyson gonna bite his ear again, but of course, (laughs) man, it'd be.
0: Um, now listen, uh, I don't know if a lot of folks know, but you're a huge, huge football fan, especially when it comes to Nebraska. So let me ask you a question did Nebraska make a mistake when they joined the Big 10 yes. and when will we see the return of glory to the Big Red
1: No I think I think um uh, I don't think it's the fact that they joined the Big 10 I just think it's the recruiting You know we can't get those top players to come play for us no more You know they got to they got to do something with the recruiting and then um I think we had the chance to get one of those quarterbacks that just was in the championship, and they passed on him. And now look at them National championship, you know, winner. And I, I just think, you know, things like that, you just can't pass up on great talent, you know, yeah. because you think that, you know, you can go elsewhere and get the same uh, talent. You got to take, take – when it's hot, you got to get it. You know, and I just felt like you know them passing them up, and it hurt us. But at the same time, I just think it's the recruiting. That's that's any any school. When you look at any school, when they when they getting those top recruits, All Americans and all that stuff like Alabama, uh, LSU. When you look at the type of players they get, and they getting five star, five star, five star back to back to back to back. You know, o- Ohio State five star, five star. You know, when you look at Nebraska, we get like two star, three star <laughs> at that at best. You know, and it's it's hard to win a championship with 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 let that type of talent.
0: Mm. Uh, we always allow uh, the people who listen to the podcast, who watch us on YouTube, ask uh, our guest questions. So we got some from Twitter. Uh, the first one here comes from Drew. But and it says if you could fight one boxer outside of your weight class, who would it be and why?
1: Uh one boxer out of my weight class. I would have to say Lomachenko. Hmm. I would say Lomachenko just for the fact that he's the he's the best fighter besides me out there right now you know, uh, pound for pound wise, and I respect his skill set, his craft, his talent, you know, I think that dude is great, I think he's like one of the best fighters ever, you know, when when, when looking at him, you know, but I will, I will want to see how he will approach a fight with me, Mm -hmm. I will want to see how, you know, he would, he would, you know, try to, attack me with the same tactics that he attacked everybody else.
0: Uh, Johnny from Twitter asks, uh, why Kell Brook over Ugas?
1: Because uh, Kell Brook has accomplished more. You know, not taking anything away from Ugas because we got history. But at the same time, it's a, it's a more lucrative business deal when you look at it. Uh, Kell Brook only have two losses to Errol Spence and Gennady Golovkin and Gennady Golovkin in my eyes really don't count because you know he was going up two weight classes he was out of his weight uh class it's the same as when uh Regandau fought uh Lomachenko and then his other, other loss came to Errol Spence and he was winning that fight, but he got his eye messed up, yeah. you know, so if you look at if you look at Kill's uh, resume and record he really could have been defeated, I think if he took that Gennady Golovkin, the Spence before that, that would have been a totally different fight because once one eye get messed up and then you come right back and fight another tough Fight right right after that, then yeah you know that's not giving your body no time to recuperate or rest on your eyes, so of course, if this eye messed up, this eye is going to be easier to mess up than that you know this eye is messed up, so yeah that's why I would take a ke broke fight.
0: Um, Albert asks on Twitter, since you're a huge fisherman, live bait or lures when you're on the lake
1: uh I'm, I'm a fan of live bait. Live bait? I'm a fan of live bait. Uh, I like to catch the bait from the same lake or river and just, you know, let, let the fish do their thing. <laughs>
0: uh, we're going to wrap up our discussion uh, here with Terrence Crawford. But first, a message from our podcast partner, the All-Natural B1 Patch. The All-Natural B1 Patch from USA Natural may be just what you're looking for. Professional athletes use it, and you can too.
1: What do we got here? B1. That's, that's what got us through the second half. That's what—that's the energy that gave us the second half, right there. I think I'm gonna need one of those. Can I? Can I go in? All right. Congratulations. Great job. Thank you.
0: Visit buyb1.com and enter the code BC3 for a discount on every order. Wear what the pros wear—the all-natural B1 patch. Okay, Terrence. It is time for a segment. In the last segment of the show, we call it The Last Stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, Terrence Crawford. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Pound for pound, who is the best fighter on planet Earth right now? Terrence Crawford. Give me your top five welterweights in the world right now? Top five welterweights.
1: Don't matter the order. Top five. Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia. Mm, nice. Um, who's the most overrated fighter? Sean, Sean Porter. I got to say Sean Porter because Sean Porter beat Danny Garcia. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who, who is the most overrated fighter uh, in the game right now?
1: Oh. Um, that's a hard one.
0: Yeah. Is there everybody, you watch fighting you be like, man, I don't think this guy is this good. And they keep talking about this guy. and
1: That's kind of hard. I got to think about that one. Right. I don't want to. I not want to throw any shade on nobody right, if I right. really did my homework.
0: Right. Okay. Here's, here's the next question. Who is top ranks' best fighter? Is it Tyson Fury, Vasily Lomachenko, or Bud Crawford? Bud Crawford, hands
1: down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hands down. Um, when it comes to the Green Bay Packers quarterback, because we know you're a huge Packers fan, is the GOAT. Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? Favre. Oh, you go Brett Favre, huh?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Brett Favre. What
0: would what, you think about them drafting Jordan Love?
1: Well, that's telling Aaron Rodgers something. <laughs> he better, he better step his game up or he out of there. I and love they, it. <laughs> yeah, they 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 gonna prep him. They gonna yeah. prep him yeah. just like they prepped Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, they having that that
0: backup. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Man, this was enjoyable. I truly appreciate the time. I always wish you the best of luck uh, in the ring. I love what you're doing out of the ring. And uh, I just appreciate you taking the time and, and joining us here on The Last Stand Podcast.
1: Thanks. I appreciate it.
0: Well, folks, that's what we do. We bring you the biggest names in sports and entertainment, just like Bud Crawford. Uh, thanks for listening. And watching on YouTube, The Last Stand Podcast. Go to our YouTube channel, The Last Stand Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe and make sure you download it on all platforms streaming podcasts. We'll see you next week.